said in Matthew 28 verse 19, Go therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Welcome to Go Teach All Nations, bringing you Christ's teachings through Australian and international speakers. And here is today's presenter, John Malkovich. I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads for a moment. Father, this is an exciting time to be alive. It's also a very frightening time for some. There may be questions in people's hearts right now, Lord, am I ready? What can I do to be ready? And I thank you, Father, that your word shows a clear picture. But Father, we need your spirit here today to guide us through what I'm saying. There is so much, Lord, that we need to know and understand. There is so much confusion in knowing how to prepare. But we just want to commit ourselves now in the quiet of this place to listen to your still voice as we open your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, for some time, and Rosie and I have talked about it, I've felt it's extremely important that each one of us, each one of us here have a clear understanding of the preparation necessary for Christ's coming. Just looking at the title, I think we would all understand that preparing, preparation, what does it mean? Even the boys and girls, I know there's some boys and girls, I want you to look up for a minute. I know you want to look at the text in the Bible. Uh, Even the boys and the girls know that it means doing something. Preparation actually means doing something. For example, each morning, you young boys and girls that go to school, you have to get up and you have to prepare. If you stay in bed, what happens? I know mum and dad might come in and make some quick movements, but what actually happens? You actually get up and there's a process that goes on. If you're having exams, if you're older, maybe university students, and you, you want good grades, you have to do something. You can't expect to get good grades and be prepared for the exams if you do nothing. You, you study. You look at past exams, making sure you know the subject. If you do these things, you are prepared and contemplate a good score. You can have confidence in your preparation. And as Christians, we can reinforce our preparation by prayer and asking God for that extra help. And I know when I've gone to do exams, that, that is a real, that's a real open line to God. You don't stop till the exam's over. But I wonder how many stop and thank the Lord. Now, what about Christ's return? So preparation is essential. What about Christ's Christ's return? 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 to 18. The Bible says, and you please open with me if you are able to. And if you've got a bit of paper, you might want to have a pen handy because I want you to write down some things later on. I want you to write down 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 to 18. The Bible says, For the Lord himself shall descend with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive shall rise to meet him in the air so that we will be ever with the Lord. Wherefore... Comfort one another with these words. We should all learn this passage 
to memory. So we can know for certain that that we shall be ever with the Lord. What, What other verse in the Bible gives such reassurance that we know Jesus is coming, but we will be with him forevermore? Do you know what evermore means? It means throughout eternity, there's no end to being with Jesus and with God forever. That's why we need to prepare now, because so much is at stake. There is so much at stake. This world is passing by very quickly. This is the beginning of forever. For some of us, it may be today. We don't know what's going to happen by the time we get home or we plan to get home. It's the one-way journey you don't want to miss. Did you hear what I said? It's a one-way journey that you don't want to miss. But like every journey you dream about, as you get closer, the greater the anticipation. Is that, is that how you're feeling right now? Is that how you're feeling? And the more is the preparation required. You know, if you're planning a trip on a cruise on a boat, you're out three months from the cruise, you don't, you don't worry about it too much. But as you get closer, you begin to think, what do I need to take? What I, how am I going to get there? What are the things that I need to take? And so Christ's return is the reason for us to prepare today. It's too late if we leave it to the last minute. It's just not going to work. It's not going to cut it. I have to tell you, it is close. Jesus is coming to take us home. We know it because if you open your Bibles to John chapter 14, 1 to 3, and there's the third verse up there on that, on that picture up there, it says, let not your hearts be troubled. As, is anyone's heart here troubled? I want to tell you out in the world, many hearts are troubled right at this time. Right at this moment, there are many troubled hearts. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, what does he say? I will come again and receive you unto myself. You see, this is where we're at in the history of this world. This is where we're at. We're downright, if you know we've been studying about Daniel, right down in the feet, in the in the toes, the toenails themselves, that's how close we are. But what are we doing about it? Are we becoming complacent just to say, oh, that's, in, that's good? Or are we really doing something about it? Folk, what are you doing about preparing for this? Is coming to church or going door-to-door witnessing or doing Bible work, wearing the right clothes, eating the right food, running a soup kitchen, being a pastor, or having some other leadership in the church and other things that... Are these constituting preparation? 
All these things are good in themselves, but is there something else? Is it more than just that? The Bible says we will be judged by our works. Revelation 22 verse 12 says, Behold, oh, I beg your pardon, and behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give every man according as his works shall be. But did you know that the things I mentioned just before are not the works we will be judged by? Did you know that? They're not going to be the works we're going to be judged by. In Matthew 23, 23, and I would like you go, to go there, Jesus spoke about the weightier matters. Did you hear what I said? The weightier matters that are necessary. And I want you to turn with, with me to Matthew 23, 23. The Bible says, Matthew 23, 23. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. What are they? Judgment, mercy and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. So what were they involved in? What was their problem? They were involved in works. We too can be easily become like the Pharisees. We can become fanatical, and things that are okay in themselves end up becoming the means to secure salvation. You know, young people are encouraged to go door knocking and all those other things. They are very good, but they are not the means to our salvation. They are not how we prepare for, the re for Jesus' return. When we are doing the things we have, we are leaving God. When we're doing those things, we're leaving God out of the picture. I've been there, and this sort of Christianity is a burden, not a joy. Did you hear what I said? When we get into the place where works become our salvation, Christianity is a burden. It's not a joy. It is through some of Christ's parables, and I want you to take notice of this, where he speaks of the kingdom of God and heaven, that he shows us that the preparation necess is necessary to be ready for his return, in fact, is shown through his parables. Jesus was teaching truths that are essential to salvation. Some of you may be surprised by what you will discover. The kingdom of God was established by Jesus. Did you hear that? The kingdom of God, that's by the way when Jesus comes, he's going to take us to the kingdom of God, to the kingdom of heaven, to be with him eternally. In 5 um, Bible Commentary, page 318, it tells us that those who believed in him became his subjects. The territory of the kingdom was the hearts and lives of his subjects. So where is the territory of his kingdom? Where is it? It's in your heart and in your lives. So where do you prepare to be ready for Jesus Christ's coming? Where do you prepare? In your heart and in your lives. The kingdom of, and listen here, it says, 
Those who believed in him became his subject. The terror of the kingdom was the hearts and the lives of his subjects. The kingdom of God, or heaven, constituted the theme of Jesus' teaching. You've studied the Bible. Is that true? Is it true? The kingdom of God constituted the theme of Jesus' teaching. It's true. Luke 4.43, if you want to write that down. He introduced many of his parables with the words, the kingdom of heaven is like. You can write that down, Matthew 13, verses 24, 31, 33. You can go there and find it. He taught his disciples to pray for the coming of the kingdom. You know, the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6.10. His gospel was the good news of the kingdom, Matthew 4.23. His disciples were the children of the kingdom, Luke 12.32, which they were to inherit, Matthew 25.34. In this life, Christians must make the kingdom supreme in their affections and the great aim of life, Matthew 6.33. Take note of that, because who are we talking to here? Who am I talking to here? We're Christians. We're part of the remnant of the children of God, living on this earth in the closing scenes of this earth's history. When he sent the twelve, he instructed them, to preach the kingdom of God in Luke 9, verses 2 and 60. Can you see why it is so important we understand the parables of the kingdom? We're getting close to the kingdom, are we not? I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, please. We're going to have a look at some of these parables and see something very interesting. In Matthew chapter 13, it says, and we're going to read, start with verses 24 through to 30. Another parable put, forth, put he forth unto them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when... The blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit. Then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said to him, Sir, didst not thou sow seed in thy field? From whence then hath it tares? He said unto them, An enemy hath done this. The servant said to him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? But he said, Nay, lest while he gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest I will send, say to the reapers, gather you together first the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into the barn. In Matthew 13, 37 to 34, Jesus explained the parable to the disciples. And I want you to just go there quickly, and we're going to only read 37 to 39. The Bible said, he answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that sowed them is the devil. 
The harvest is, is, is the end of the world. The reapers are the angel. What is this parable showing us? There are good and bad Christians. By the way, all the parables Jesus were related to those who already believed and had formed churches. Like we today, it says it's very clear there are good and bad Christians in the church. That's something we can't change, but we can learn from what Jesus says. Not everyone in the church will make it through to heaven. So what is the difference? Why are some wheat while others are tares? Notice that Jesus said that the good seed are who? His children. But the tares are the children of the enemy, Satan. This is really serious information. Their work is to resemble the wheat and in the way they can lead in that way they can lead many astray. Some are bad examples in the church, others appear wonderful people, and others follow them. Some are just ordinary church members like us. Many think they are doing the right thing, but end up being cast out by Jesus. In five Bible commentary four oh seven, we read the tares resemble him. That's the wicked one in character. Did you hear that? They resemble him in character. The wheat had the right kingdom growth, the right character growth, while the tares did not. The wheat are Jesus' children, people of his kingdom. I want to look briefly at a couple of other well-known parables which are similar to this one. We haven't got time to go through them here, but I encourage you to read about them in the Bible and Christ's object lessons. You know, preparation doesn't just happen. Remember I said you have to do something? You have to go to the Bible, and the book Christ's object lessons gives a clear picture of the parables which Jesus had recorded for us and explains the issue of character crucial for preparation for Jesus' soon coming. In Matthew 22, come just a little bit further over, Matthew 22, verses 2 to 14, Jesus talks about the wedding feast. You've, you all know that, that parable, where a guest is found without the wedding garment. You, you, you all know that. Okay, that's where you find it. I'm just looking at the time. In 5 Bible Commentary 480, it says... The man without the wedding garment represents, did you hear now, listen carefully, professed Christians who feel no need of a transformation of, guess what, character. Now think about that for a moment. I'm going to read it again. The man without the wedding garment represents professed Christians, oh, professed Christians, who feel no need of transformation of character. You know, in Christ Object Lessons, it's a book you well want to read because that book is really Jesus telling you how to prepare for the kingdom of the soon coming. You may not think that. You might be surprised, but it is. Those, it says in page 316, those who reject 
the gift of Christ's righteousness are rejecting the attributes of character which could constitute them the sons of daughters of God. They are rejecting that which alone could give them fitness for a place at the marriage feast. In, Coloss in Christ Object Lessons 319, it says, there will be no future probation in which to prepare for eternity. This is it, folks. This is it right now. It is in this life that we are to put on the robe of Christ's righteousness. This is our only opportunity to form characters for the home which Christ has made ready for those who obey his commandments. Powerful. I find that the statements there are amazing and powerful. Let's look briefly at another of Jesus' well-known parables. You know this one too. It's found in Matthew 25, 1 to 13. We have the ten virgins. You know, there's lots of things that we, we're taught about the ten virgins. You know the parable well. In 5 Bible Commentary 508, it says, The five foolish maidens had not yielded themselves to the working of the Holy Spirit. In this respect, they resemble the man with uh, the man, whoops, uh, with the wedding garment. Right? Did you hear what I said? The man with the wedding garment. The man without the wedding garment. They are attracted to the gospel, but selfishness keeps the truth from taking deep root in their lives and bearing the fruit of what? Christ-like character. Did you hear that? They, the others had accepted Christ and the character was fully in them. And here we're seeing it's no different to the man that didn't have the robe. He didn't allow the Holy Spirit to work in. He didn't allow the Holy Spirit to form the character of Jesus in him. Did you hear that? The five foolish virgin, virgins resemble the man without the wedding garment because they had not yielded themselves to the Holy Spirit. They had not borne the fruit of a Christ-like character. They are destitute of the Holy Spirit. Christ Object Lessons 408, you will find that. Now on page 509, we read character is not transferable. We don't have time right now to talk about the sheep and the goats, but I'm sure you're beginning to understand what, understand what that and many other perils that Jesus told were about. They're all about character, forming a character that will fit us to live with God. If we don't develop that character now, when are you going to do it? So it's preparation before Jesus comes. And I want to tell you, we don't have a lot of time. And character formation is not a moment of an instant in time. It is, a, it is something that we grow when we have trials. Our faith is tried. We grow. And that character perfection comes because we know God. In John 17, verse 3, it says, And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. You can't get to know God in a moment. Oh, it can in a miraculous way. God can do that. But for you and I, 
It's a, it's a time process. It's over time. We're running out of time. We're absolutely running out of time. And so we need to look at ourselves and find out what is this character that I need to have to be ready for when Jesus comes. And if you are really wanting to write this down, um, there, are, there are many texts that you can go to that I haven't got time, and maybe you can talk about them over lunch, verses about character God wants us to develop. John chapter 3, verses 3 to 8. Colossians, John chapter 3, verses 3 to 8. Colossians chapter 3, verses 8 to 17. Ephesians chapter 4, 29 to 32. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Some of you may have already committed this to memory. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, 13, 14. Micah chapter 6, verse 8. The Bible is full of verses like these, and we'll, I'll leave it to you to research it. Are you understanding what the necessary works are? They are the works done through the new birth, the new man by the Holy Spirit. They are the works that are done through allowing God, you listen careful, allowing God to form his character in us. It's so important you understand that in 2020, on the, on the 14th of March of 2020, because of what is going on us, around us. When these things begin to happen and we can't meet together and you can't go out, you can't reinforce it, you are now going to have to look at the Word of God and understand in this brief time before he returns, to establish that it is only character, not our works, that will enable us to meet him in the air and to be ever with the Lord instead of the character of the devil. That's the character we do not. We need to expel from us by allowing Jesus to come in who by his presence automatically expels the devil from your life. They are the works that are done through allowing God to form his character in us instead of the character of the devil, which we inherited, by the way, from Adam and Eve when they sinned. These are the only works that will stand the test of the judgment and give us entry into the kingdom of heaven. In Christ Object Lessons, page 67, Alan White wrote, Christ is seeking to reproduce himself, you remember where? In the hearts of men and women. And he does this through those who believe in him. The object of Christian life is fruit-bearing. Because if Christ is in, we, in you, what can you, not, what can you do? Everything. You can reveal to others what he has put in you. If it's not there, if Jesus Christ is not there and his character is not there, there's someone else is there. And what are you going to convey to them? It's not rocket science. The object of Christian light is fruit-bearing, the reproduction of Christ's character in the believer that it may be reproduced in others. I want to tell you something. Character. Character is the centre of all Jesus' parables for those who seek entrance into the kingdom of God. See that pulpit there? There was a lady, Alan Gould White, who wrote so many books 
And as Rosie and I have been reading them over the, our married life, Rosie's been putting a circle around the word character. Every single day, I don't recall a single day where she's not circling something we are reading with the word character. And I don't know whether you know, but if you do a search and you will discover that Alan White uses the word character, anyone like to have a guess? Not Pastor Jeff. Does anyone like to have a guess? Do you think a hundred times? Do you think a thousand times? Ten thousand times? How many do you think? Would you like to have a guess? A thousand? Well, would you be shocked if I said she mentions it nearly 50,000 times in her writings? When I began to look at them, I suddenly realised character, character, character. Because it's the only thing that you're going to take when you rise to meet the Lord in the air because you'll have new bodies, but your character will be there. Will it be the character of the one you're professing to believe and being here today to worship? Or will it be the other? Because if it's the other, sad to say, there won't be the presence of evil in heaven. That's the difference between earth and heaven. Evil is prevalent all around us. The only difference in heaven is the absence of evil. Their righteousness dwelleth only. In Ministry of Healing, page 409, Alan White wrote about transformation of character in these words. Take note. I just, look, I sat down and I started looking one after the other every time character is. The words are profound. They will change your view about what you are to do here in preparation for the coming of Jesus. The knowledge is, it says here, Alan White wrote about transformation of character with these words. The knowledge, this knowledge, this is talking about character, is the essential preparation. Notice that word, essential, both for this life and the life to come. Can you see how important character transformation is? She said it's essential. In Desire of Ages, page 307, true character is not shaped from without. Good works, uh-uh. They are a result of the character that is within. It's not shaped from without and put on. It radiates from within. That's why we are told we are the light of the world. When Christ is in us, it shines from us. It's our character. If you have a, a, a cheerful uh, disposition and your character is cheerful, I want to tell you, you don't go walking around like someone sucking lemons. You're smiling. You're vibrant. That's a result of what's within. You can put on, if you're a lemon, you can put on a smile, but it doesn't last and it's not going to get you very far. The consistent life, the holy conversation, 
the unswerving integrity, the active benevolent spirit, the godly example, these are the mediums which light is conveyed to the world. That is character. Our preparation is now and every day we need to spend time in the word of God so we will know him and be transformed into the likeness of his son who is perfect. You know what it says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17? And this is something that we need to in preparation is go to the word of God. Go to the word of God. There you will discover who God is. There you will discover his character because his son came to reveal it. And not only did he come to reveal it, he offers you the opportunity because he paid the penalty for your sin. He shed his blood for you that you can enter into the kingdom of heaven as Jesus was pointing out in his parables. 2 Timothy 3.16 and verse 17 says, All scripture, how much? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Now take note of verse 17, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So where do the good works come from? Through the character that is God has put in your heart when you surrender your will to him, seek forgiveness, he comes in and you are then perfect. That's what enables you to go to the kingdom of heaven because we know that that is the only way that it is possible through Jesus living in our lives. One thing I want to take you to take away from what I've been saying. Alan White repeated it over and over and over and over again. We're on the borders of the promised land. Do you understand that? We're on the borders of the promised land. God has given us over and over again the necessary preparation, instructions on the necessary preparations for this hour in which we're living. I want you to go home, re-look at those parables, take Christ object lessons and see what Jesus is saying. He's talking about the kingdom of God. That should be the nearest thing to your brain right now because we are right before that event. And if we don't realise that we have to seriously look at ourselves, seriously think and ask, are we doing works to enter the kingdom of heaven or are we surrendering self? and allowing God to take charge of our lives, which we will just emanate with the right works. And we, when Jesus calls us, we will rise to meet him in the sky and sing a song in closing. And I want you to ask yourself that question that she's asking during the song. If you, if you listen to it, and you want it for yourself, the answer to this question that she's singing, and you desire that people see Jesus in you, because that's the song, then I would ask you at the finish to stand up. And, and I'm going to ask you in a moment of silence to pray for Christ's character, to ask for forgiveness and Christ's character to be formed within you so when Jesus comes, you will be prepared 
and not left wondering, are my works good enough that when Jesus calls, I will come?
Sandra Entiman sang, Do They See Jesus in Me? This message was made available by the Stanmore Seventh-day Adventist Church. For more resources like this, visit stanmoresdachurch.net. Fletcher's album, No More Goodbyes, this is Dear Daddy.
Tip Lady with simple tips to help make your life more simple. Question for you Do you ever feel a bit blah and your energy has disappeared and life just seems too much effort? Well, I sat out in my veggie patch the other day. Yeah, I just sat. I didn't do anything, I just sat for a while anyway. Because that's how I felt. I didn't feel like working in it, but I did do some thinking. We're developing a property in the bush at the moment. It's fun but hard work. And sometimes the energy just wanes. Thankfully the veggies grow like crazy, even when we feel a bit blah and growing in life seems too hard for us to do. I have two tips today that guarantee you're going to feel a whole lot better very quickly without spending a single cent. Now before I spill the beans on my first tip, I'm going to tell you a story. When I was at school, Like a hundred years ago, almost, a boy in our class loved to sing, and his favourite song was this. If you want your boomerang to come back, well first you've got to throw it. Only here's how he sang it. Well, I'd love to sing it for you, it was so funny. But he had trouble pronouncing the R, so he would sing, If you want your boomerang to come back, well first you've got to throw it. It was his little moment of glory, and we did learn to love that kid. Here's my version, though, of the words of that song. If you want your vim and vigour to come back, well, first, you've got to grow it. So my first tip is simply this. Get out in the garden and grow it. Sit there if you must. That's what I do sometimes. And eventually, thinking helps me get into action. The green leaves waving in the breeze help my brain become more cheery. And the blue sky above and the birds singing close by in the tall eucalyptus trees brighten my mind. Believe me, I know, because this has been one of my best medicines for many years. Didn't God just know the best environment to maintain healthy energy and healthy minds and bodies when he put the first couple in a garden and gave them the job to maintain it? And we have the example of Jesus when he was about to face the most tremendous persecution and trouble. He spent the night in the garden. There's something about spending time in the garden, day or night, that refreshes our minds and bodies. In the quiet stillness of the night, the Holy Spirit speaks hope and courage into our hearts. Okay, so here's the second tip. Eat what you grow. Yes, even while sitting in there in your garden, you could snap off a couple of lettuce leaves, a bit of parsley, a piece of curly, crunchy kale, 
a snap pea or two and put it all in your mouth and chomp it all up. Of course, you could take it inside, chop it up, drizzle it with some delicious dressing and enjoy it in a more civilised fashion. But the most important thing is to eat what you grow. So here's my two simple tips for getting rid of the blahs and getting more energy today. What are they? One, grow a garden. And tip number two, eat the stuff you grow. Your mind will brighten, your body will enjoy the fresh, snappy nutrition. In many ways, you will feel a whole lot better very quickly. I know I've proved this over and over, and so can you, if you do it. That's it from the two-tip lady today, who loves to help make your life more simple. Butler and I want to welcome you to Healthy Living Around the World. I am on site at Centre for Health in Bulgaria and with me is Arthur Cavaglio. Welcome Arthur to the program. Thank you. Now Arthur, you're here at Centre for Health and I believe you're in the training school here, is that correct? Yes, that's correct. Uh, I am here in the school. I got here to receive some healthy training mm-hmm. and also some Bible studies. You're doing some Bible training as well as, yeah. as health training together yeah. in the yes, same place. Together. Interesting. Where are you from originally? I'm from Brazil. All the way from Brazil? Yes. So how did you find out about the school here? Because I'm living in Tunisia, you know, I'm taking part of a project from the that's connected with the, one of the leaders here. And they do some training so we can, whatever you're doing in these countries, you know, around the world, we can serve people better. We can help people to find a better way of living, like a better health way of living. And uh, also for myself, I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying too much here, I'm getting healthier here actually. Okay. Yes. yes. Uh, I have a, a little problem on my knees, you know, and I need to lose weight because of that. And since I got here, I, I think I, I lost some pounds. <laughs> ah, yes. okay, so you've noticed a difference. What kind of things are you learning about here that's helping you? We are uh, learning about um, like uh, the benefits of living the nature, you know, like uh-huh. the close to trees and fresh air, yes. like uh, having a balanced diet, uh, not overeating, like eating what is sufficient for your body, mm-hmm. exercising, you know, the eight natural remedies of life. We're learning also the benefits of charcoal. Oh. Yeah, how we can use charcoal for medicine, so preventive medicine. Yes. All good stuff, garlic, you know, all these herbs that we have in nature. So how can we use them? Mm-hmm. And uh, to prevent a lot of disease, actually, with charcoal we can do many, many things. We can use externally and internally, and it helps, like, even your kidneys. I, I didn't know about that. Like, if you put externally, it, it, can, it can extract. It's the, carb, car, the, the charcoal is so strong that it can extract some toxins, even from outside, when you use your skin to, to take the toxins of your kidney. Yeah. Like wonderful stuff, wonderful stuff like that we are learning and mm. uh, we have healthy food here also, it's all vegan and they know how to cook really delicious food. <laughs> oh, you're finding it tasty? Yes, it's really delicious and uh, like it's, it's, you don't find any lack of any supplements, like any protein, anything, uh-huh. like all uh-huh. vitamins, all balanced 
And that's, of course, because the food's so good, sometimes I'm tempted to eat too much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I'm getting better here. I'm losing weight, as I told you. Mm. And, um, yeah, I think this is, if you want to... If you want to get a good health, I think this is place, this place is a good place. Yeah, okay. So tell me, is it different how you're eating here? Is that different to how you were eating back in Brazil? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, normally in my house, um, like for example, we use a lot of oil, like for, we fried a lot of things, you know? Yes. And it's not healthy. Maybe we use a little bit too much spices. The bread, the bread here is amazing. It's like, I don't know how they do it, but they use a... They don't use like biological liver. A uh, yeast? Yeah, yeast, sorry. So what you mean, leaven? Yes, leaven, yeast. Yeah, leaven. They don't use yeast. Uh, I don't know how they do, but it's uh, it's whole wheat bread uh-huh. and they use this uh, natural... Is it like wheat. a culture that they use? Like I, I don't know, but it's not biological. It's like oh. from, the, from, the, from the fruits. Oh. I don't know how they do. Okay, but obviously you're enjoying it. So. Yeah, it's so good. So in, in we are we have to learn. Actually, gonna learn this and how to cook the bread and everything, so we can do at home also. But at home we don't do that, you know. Oh. And uh, yeah, like it's it's really helpful when you learn to to bake a good bread. Mm-hmm. Wow. So you're learning such a large variety of practical things that are helpful yes. in your home. Mm-hmm. So. Can you share maybe is there a health principle that you've adopted that's one of your favorites that you really enjoy? Well, the health principle I like is like the principle that everything's together connected. Like uh-huh. when you like your brain is connected with your organs, so everything that you eat affects your your brain. So it will affect eventually your studies, your religion. Yes. You know, like the way you connect. So like I believe in God. I pray. Mm-hmm. And and when I when I take care of my health, it's better. So, and my my brain works faster. So I mm-hmm. feel more connection with God, and uh, I can study and learn better. When you sleep well, also you know when you sometimes you don't sleep well, you eat too much, your brain gets a bit tired. So you yes. get headache a bit. So you mm-hmm. cannot concentrate mm-hmm. for for many things. And especially when you pray, you like you you get distracted so much and. Yes, and that's another principle. So it's holistic way of living. So you connect everything. You connect your your food with your with your study, spiritual and and physical. Right, all, all those different elements are all yes, interconnected. Yes, you, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's so interesting. You were mentioning that you're finding it's having benefits for your spiritual life. Yes, for sure. You've noticed that while you've been here. Yes, for mm. sure. Yeah, I can. I woke up more like uh, with more energy. Yes. So I can I can wake up and pray and talk with God, and not that sleepy, you yes, know. Yes. 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 And then when I read my Bible, mm-hmm. I can concentrate more. And when you walk also through the trees here, that this beautiful environment, you can also feel, you can hear the voice of God more clearly. You know, that's not so much mm. noisy. Mm. So you can mm-hmm. you can see the beauty of the. The creation of God and mm. how the love of God is in everything and how he gave us such a blessing with herbs and trees that things that heal us is good for our health. Yes, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. So that's, you, you've gotten so many, so many good benefits from all of this experience. Now tell me if you're going to say you meet someone who is talking about their lifestyle and, and they're thinking that they want to improve it. Yeah. Um, in some ways, 
what would you what would you say to them? How how would you recommend they go about starting to improve their lifestyle? Well, I mean, I think it depends. I would try to know the person better and know what their needs. But if you need to summarize in a short sentence, I would say that maybe preventing stuff like uh, take care of the things you eat mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. because you are what you eat mm. and try to live closer to the nature I would say okay the environment is really important so the the things we have in big cities today is it's not so so good for your health in many ways mm-hmm. yeah so, so go to a place where they can spend more time in a natural environment yes. surroundings and that will be yeah. a benefit possible, to them yes yeah. yes of course, take care of the with your food. Yes, because yeah. we will affect in every other aspect of your life. Yes, yeah, it has a powerful influence, doesn't it? Wow, well, thank you so much for sharing your experience You're with welcome. us here. A pleasure. It's um, it's always inspiring to hear how people have benefited from the wonderful, healthy living principles, which, as you explained so well, God has given us out of His love for us. Yes. So that's um, that's really inspiring to hear. Our guest today has been Arthur Carvalho, and uh, he is here at the Center for Health Training School here in Bulgaria. Thank you for tuning in to Healthy Living Around the World. I am your host, Casey Butler, and until next time, God bless. This program has been brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio.